Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, your host, and unfortunately, Cindy is not going to join us this morning. She's doing one of her uh, boot camps and uh, is out there helping to uh, make some of you uh, better players, So, uh, but she'll be back um uh, next week, but um, I've got a great show for you planned. Uh, we're going to have uh, joined here in just a moment. I'm going to introduce her, our very special guest of the week, uh, Michelle Malia. She's a LPGA professional at Chelsea Piers in Manhattan, New York. She'll be joining us in just a second. Uh, and then I'm going to do a no BS zone uh, called the Golfing Mindset and Emotions. It's a pickup from last week. Of course, if you remember, if you tuned in last week, we did the um, physical part of the game. And uh, this week, I'm going to combine uh, the uh, mental side and the emotional side of the game. And, and we'll see if uh, maybe Michelle's game to, uh, to join me on that. But otherwise, uh, we'll just have a great interview, and I'll, I'll do it myself, I guess. But anyways, um, let me tell you a little bit about Michelle. She is an LPGA professional, as I mentioned, uh, bringing more than 20 years of teaching and coaching experience to Chelsea Piers. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Most recently, she was the director of golf at Monmouth University. Uh, the LPGA named her National Golf Coach of the Year in 2008 uh, for her efforts at he- as head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson University, where the women's program won eight Division I tournaments, earning a berth to the NCAA championship. In 2020, the first tee of, New Jersey, of, of Jersey Shore excuse me, honored her as their ACE Award honoree, and uh, she serves on various boards for junior and women's golf. She has been featured on Fox Sports as a leading instructor for stroke survivors and was the lead instructor for the Arc of Monmouth, providing instructional for athletes preparing for the Special Olympics. So uh, please welcome uh, my very special guest this morning on the Women of Golf, uh, Michelle Malia. Good morning, hey, Michelle. Ted. How are Good you? Morning. I'm well. Thanks Good so morning. Thanks for having me this morning. Yeah. Not a problem. And I, and I apologize. Uh, well, actually, you can take you can battle it out with Cindy. Cindy was supposed to be here this morning, but she... Uh, Unfortunately, as you heard, uh, had uh, a boot camp this morning, so she had another uh, <clears throat> engagement. But uh, so you'll have to battle it out with her for not being here and joining us this morning. But uh, uh, she sends her best, anyways. So let me ask awesome. you something. And, and again, yeah, no, no obligation. Uh, normally, what we were going to do is we were going to sort of start things off with what we call the no BS zone, and it's a discussion about the mindset and, uh, uh, you know, the mental game and the emotions. As I said, it was a pickup from last week's discussion on mastering your game, becoming the best player that you can be. Um, do you want to join in on that, um, or is your time re- restricted that uh, 
you know, you're limited to just sort of a, the interview? Because I can certainly do it myself. It's not a problem. No, no, I would love to join in on that. That'd be fantastic. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about you and I on the uh, on your side of things, and then we'll pick that up on the second half of the show. So, as I mentioned, you're out at Chelsea Piers in Manhattan, and it's a great facility. If if you've never been there, for those tuning into the show, you need to go and visit. It's a great facility in uh, Manhattan. You can just tell us a little bit about it, uh, and then we'll we'll get into our discussion. Yeah, for sure. I. Um... I started at Chelsea Piers last April, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm from New Jersey. I'm a Jersey girl, and I never expected that I was going to make a move into Manhattan uh, at all. In fact, when I, you know, first couple of interviews I had here, I said to my family, I'm like, Manhattan? Am I going to Manhattan to teach golf? And um, it didn't take me long <laughs> to fall in love with the facility. You know, uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's, um, you know, if anybody, like you said, if you, if you never had a chance to get out here to see it, um, it's well worth the trip. Um, it's a, uh, it's a, a four-story driving range, um, covered bays. We have 52 covered bays that we hit over, over the Hudson River, basically. Um, mm-hmm. it's, the views here are spectacular. I know my friends uh, hate me every day when I post my um, work picture <laughs> from, from here at sunset. Because it's 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 amazing. Right. Um, but in addition to that, you know, we have a, a very vibrant golf academy. Um, the head professional here, Steve Bourbon, um, it worked with Bob Toski for years and, and many mini tour and tour players, uh, which also part of the reason why I wanted the job to, to have an opportunity to work with him. And um, mm-hmm. you know, the setting here in Manhattan, you know, obviously uh, there's a big demand for golf here. Um, I didn't realize how much of a concrete jungle it kind of is as far as golf is concerned, uh, you know, access to golf courses and facilities and that type of thing. So we're in this really cool um, place and niche where we get hundreds, hundreds of golfers here a day um, and lots of different visits from whether it's uh, special events, uh, corporate, corporate, um, you know, getaways that we, we host here. Um, but in addition to that, just an amazing, vibrant uh, instructional program um, and a full golf academy that was really cool. We have three super stations that are inside with an indoor bunker, chipping area, putting green, putting studio. Um, so we really can do all, all facets of the game here. Um, and we're making some changes as well and um, really updating the things we're doing with the golf academy. Uh, adding Operation 36 for this season, and we're just mm-hmm. about to start our first LPGA Girls Golf Club here, which is going to be wow. amazing for Manhattan. So just some really great things. You know, and, and just to go back to what you were saying earlier, you know, what, what's interesting about it is um, it's a, a very high-end, high-class range um, that obviously is on the Hudson River. So you've got some, as you said, some spectacular views. Um, but also to its climate controlled. So, yeah. you know, even in some of the most difficult weather, um, you can still be out there at working on your game. And, uh, you know, it's very comfortable. I know I was there obviously in the summertime uh, a, a few years back, but uh, I know even in some of the cooler climates, you know, folks still like to get out there and work on their game. And, and uh, it's a great facility to do that. And like you said, you've got so many amenities there available uh, for those that, uh, you know, not just want to work on their game, but, uh, you know, if they want to get a little something to eat and whatnot. So there's a lot of great things there uh, 
right right under the under the roof, so to speak. And as you said, it's uh, four stories, so uh, there's plenty of bays there to work out of. There's an area to work on some of your your short game and and whatnot as well. Um, but uh, it's just a, a great time and a great facility right uh, in Manhattan, which is something that you would not have expected. Um, but then again, it is Manhattan, so you never know what you might find there. So it's just a, a great facility. It's been there for right. I mean, am I not right? I mean, no, it, you're no, right. if, if somebody said, you know, golf and, you know, right in Manhattan, people would be scratching their head and it's just not something that you would think of. But uh, it, it's been there for a while and it's been very successful. So tell us a little bit about some of the programs um, that you have. I mean, uh, specifically, maybe a general uh, idea of some of the programs, but specifically some of the programs that you offer. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, you know, it's, it, we, um, we kind of do, we have a, a you know, we, we have kind of a soup to nuts kind of program here, which is, which is fantastic. So we offer um, introductory classes, um, we, golf on one course, um, you know, golf for the new player, golf for women, intermediate classes, one-day schools. Um, and those, I tell you, are, we're extremely busy. They, they sell out pretty fast. Um, our women's program um, is like through the roof. I, you know, I think as soon as we send out a link that we, the classes are open, we sell them out pretty quickly. We see a lot of, um, especially for women here, a lot of women who are coming not only for their personal lives to learn golf, but also for business. So we, we attract right. a lot of people who don't play, um, as far as our golf schools are concerned, um, who want to really learn the game. And we have, and because of our setup here, we really can offer everything to them. You know, to really get at, to get a real solid um, base to go out and continue to improve, and also to feel comfortable when they go out and play on the golf course. So because of our setting, we do attract a lot of um, newer players, both men and women. I just see a lot of women on this side. Um, coming in for classes, um, who are in, who are lawyers, are in the business district, who are being asked to play in corporate events, um, and they want to get get here, really get the the groundwork so they can feel comfortable on the golf course as well as improve their game. So um, that part for me has been really exciting. If I, you know, obviously I enjoy teaching all levels of players, and I taught, you know, coached on the collegiate level but I really enjoy mm-hmm. teaching new players. It's kind of my thing. Um, you know, I'm obviously a golf geek and excited about the game, and I think it just offers so many great opportunities for people. So that's been really right. a cool thing that I, did, that I didn't expect, you know, when I got here. Um, as far as, you know, some of the things, initiatives that we've put into place since I, since I started, um, I just took over as the lead of our junior academy. Um, so we offer, um, you know, an all year program from peewee, um, players all the way up to our elite junior program, which I oversee as well with 40 kids who work with us a week, um, as well as having supervised practice here. It's, it's great. And then like a really cool, vibrant, uh, junior camp situation in the summer. We, we run camps 12 weeks in the summertime every week. You know, we can have between 50 and 100 kids come through here. Um, and, and we've been wow. very good at partnering, partnering up with golf courses in the area. So, for example, I, um, our elite performance camp that we do here um, in the summer, we get, the golf, we get our players on the golf course three times during that week. Um, and so they get a real opportunity to 
have the instruction piece here, assessment video and launch monitors, all those great things, but then we get them on the golf course. So, um, again, something that, you know, uh, like I said, when I said to my family, I'm going to Manhattan, what am, you know, what, how is this going to look? It, it's really, <laughs> it's really, it's really an amazing place. It's probably the, for me personally, that, you know, the, 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 a great spot, you know, it really kind of fits my skill set. Um, and we get to do a lot of different and unique things. Um, this, we're rolling out Operation 36 um, for our junior program in the next couple of weeks, and we're really excited about that because it will also include golf course opportunities at golf courses in the area. So the kids that are coming to our program are really getting an opportunity to, to, to have all types of technology, right, experiences. So they, technology mm-hmm. from video to launch monitor assessments, um, speed training, all those great things, but also the golf course piece, which I think is so important. Um, so it's not just a driving range in Manhattan. Right. right. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot right. of, it's, it's, really, it's really a fantastic, vibrant place. Well, and, it, and it's great to meet people, too. I mean, you know, if you're somebody that's fairly new to the game, there's a lot of, you know, a variety of different levels of players there. And, um, you know, it, it's an opportunity to connect with, with people that are, have a like-minded interest. You know, it's, you know, you go to other places and uh, outside of golf and, you know, everybody has different interests. But when you're there at, at Chelsea Piers, you know that everybody's there for the same thing. They're there to, you know, to either work on their game or learn the game or what have you. So you know you're all kind of in the same boat. And it's nice that, that there's a variety of, of skill levels. I mean, you're going to have some players um, that go out there and just want to, you know, keep their game tuned up and they can strike the ball real well. And then you're going to have some others that, um, you know, maybe still have some work to do. Um, so there's a variety of people and, and it's, it's, it's great. And I want to just f- focus on just for a minute or two, a little bit more on women's golf in Manhattan, because sure. as you mentioned, it's really, really growing. And as you know, Michelle, in industry wide, uh, women are the fastest growing um, group to the game of new golfers coming to the game. And it ranges yep you know, probably younger than this, but from at least 13 up to, you know, 35, 40 maybe uh, is the bulk of them. And then there's obviously other uh, demographics outside. But um, but so it's it's the largest group. I think now it, it's topping out at about 33 to 35% of all new golfers coming to the game are female. Um, and yep. that's, that's a big, big group. What has been, you know, obviously there's a lot of different aspects to approach this from, but I'm curious to see, what are women mainly looking for? Obviously they want to learn to play the game, but what's some of the more common requests that you get from some of the new golfers coming in? And I'm obviously talking about female golfers coming in. What is it they're wanting to, to get out of the experience the most? What are some of the common things that you hear? Well, you know, I'm going to approach this a couple ways. I mean, I think that um, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is a boom right now for women in golf and, mm-hmm. and that's, Fantastic. And I've been teaching for 25 years. Um, and obviously at the beginning of like offering golf programs for women, um, you know, we always had pretty good numbers. You know what I mean? If you offered a class, right. you know, the numbers were, were pretty good. Um, one of the things that I think is a theme as far as the women that we see here at Chelsea, and I actually have seen throughout my career, um, you know, obviously learning the game, but also learning all the aspects and all the pieces around it, meaning the culture, um, understanding they really want to have a basis of what the etiquette is, 
um, what are some of the themes of, as far as playing golf? What what is what are they expected to do? So if they if they're running to, if they're come, going to a a corporate event, you know what is that going to be like, right? What's the dress going to be? Mm. Uh, how, what what um, what should I be? You know what should my bag look like? Um, how should I feel on the golf or how should I approach playing the game? Um, the, it's actually a lot, lot more than just the mechanical pieces that they're looking for. If that makes sense, right? It's all the other things. Yep. No, it's perfect. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, so like one of the things I've always this is just a quick story. I remember many years ago I was working for a golf school, and I was I had a a, a two day uh, beginner class, and so of course you know the, you know the my students come in and um, one of the, one of the men in the class, I, you know, I always ask everybody like, you know, why are you here? Who are you? And whatnot. And he says to me at the beginning of the class, he says, well, I'm here because I'm a procrastinator. And I kind of looked at him and said, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I just started, he goes, I just started a new job six months ago. And the board asked me to go play uh, all the old courses in Scotland. And I leave on Monday. And this is Saturday. Um, And so and I went, Juan, I said, I'm very upset with you. I said, Juan, I, I haven't been out there yet <laughs> to play. That's number one. Number two, I have a lot of pressure in the next 48 hours to get you to, ready to go play St. Andrews. Um, right. And so, you know, that always stuck in my mind that a little bit of a different approach to um, learning the game between men and women. Um, and mm-hmm. the, a lot of the women I was teaching, even at that time, it was more about etiquette and um, understanding all the aspects of playing so they felt ready, comfortable, and, and right. you know, to, had a green light to go out and play golf. So one of the things um, that, you know, I've really tried, and you're talking to the staff here, is that when we're talking to our women players in our women's classes to really make sure that, that those pieces are included, um, you know, from buying clubs to feeling, you know, knowing all the aspects of playing the game, that's a lot of what they're looking for as well, which makes sense, right? Um, right. Especially if you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a lawyer in a firm and you're being invited to go play in a corporate event, certainly you want to know more than what a seven iron is, right? So I think uh, mm-hmm. that's, 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 a, that's a big piece of it as well. Yeah, I think it's a confidence thing too. I mean, you know, obviously yep. women have played for, for many years, uh, but it was usually under different circumstances. Either they grew up in the game somehow, um, you know, obviously the, the LPGA had early pioneers like Shirley Spork and Marilyn Smith and many others that, that really started to spearhead um, the women's part of the game uh, and, and cr- essentially created, obviously, the LPGA. But, you know, there's a lot of women executives, and I know, you know, I, I teach mainly corporate uh, golf, meaning I, I deal with a lot of different executives. And one of the things that I always hear, too, is, um, from the women's standpoint is, you know, I'm tired of, and I know this sounds a little cliche, but I'm tired of, you know, walking up to the water cooler and hearing the guys mm-hmm. talk about their golf games and I have no clue what they're talking about or I feel left out and they wanted to be included. And I actually had a guest on who now, uh, she's not a, uh, an LPGA professional, but teaches women's clinics and that now, uh, very similar to what you were just talking about. And she works with a lot of LPGA professionals. And what she said was that a lot of women really would love to play, but again, they're, they're not comfortable. And it's not so much the physical part of the game, you know, hitting the perfect shot. They know that, that takes time, but just not understanding the game at all um, is right. 
what detracts them and makes them nervous and uncomfortable. They don't want to get up there and feel stupid and whatnot. And, and, you know, I used to, when I was uh, moving up through my ranks, you know, I used to enjoy playing with the women because they were more fun. The guys were boring. You know, the guys would puff up their chest and brag about how, you know, great they played last weekend. And then we're out this weekend and they can't hit the ball worth beans. So, you know, the guys were always a different beast to play with. Yep. And they were, I had more laughs at them than I did with the ladies. But the ladies were very humble and, and wanting to really understand the game. It, you know, obviously they want to improve physically, but they just want to understand the game. And like, as you said, the etiquette and things like that. So I think that's great that, you know, we're seeing more and more coming to the game. Um, what I would really like to see is not just them come to the game, but I'd really like to see, and, and I know it has been increasing, but I'd like to see it ramp up even more, is more and more getting into your side of the game, the teaching side. Um, yep. you know, in, in with the LPJ and, and whatnot, that's where I would really like to see more growth and faster than what it has been. And I'm not sure how to do that. What, what are your thoughts on that? How do we, how do we transition them? Uh, because women are great teachers anyways. I mean, they, you know, raise the, the kids and they teach them how to do different things. How can we get them encouraged to get out there once they learn to play this game to, to say, Hey, you know what? I want to maybe take this a, to another level. I'm not good enough to maybe play on the LPJ, but I do have good, good skills in other areas, how can we sort of convert them over into the teaching side of things maybe? That's, you know, that's a really great question. I mean, and uh, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I, you know, the one thing I would like to say too is like I'm hoping, well, my big hope right now, especially in our area here, um, the New Jersey, Connecticut area, the fact that, um, and New York, the fact that the LPGA is going to have four events in New Jersey this year. Yes. And New, and New mm-hmm. Jersey is finally having a state open for women um, mm-hmm. the first ever. I think it's huge um, I, because, you know, it's, we're, to be, like you said, to be honest, I mean, we're still in a very male-dominated industry, right? Um, right. So, you know, we'll use our staff here. I'm the only woman on staff. Um, and, I, and I think one of the things, uh, one of the hopes that I have um, is especially with the growth of the LPGA Girls Golf Club. I mean, that, that program is insane right now. Um, really right. capturing girls at a younger age. Um, and, and seeing, if, I mean, industry-wide, if we can start creating um, a lot more opportunities with maybe some more life balance for women. I think, you know, that's something that um, is, I think, difficult and a challenge. You know, our industry is, you know, if you're a teaching professional or work at a club, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's not an easy, not an easy gig in the sense of hours and work-life balance. And I don't think it's just for women. Right. I think for men as well. Um, and that's something I think industry-wide needs to change. You know, I mean, if, right. if I'm a 25-year-old woman and, um, you know, and I have an opportunity to maybe uh, not do golf but teach, uh, become a teacher or a lawyer or whatever else, my work-life balance maybe a whole lot better in that sense and maybe even financially better than it would be to be, to work up the ranks as a teacher uh, in the, in the golf industry. Um, and I think that's something that really needs to be looked at. Right. Um, you know, how do we do, how do we do that? Right. Yeah. It's a challenge because, you know, you're exactly right. You know, one of the things, and it's a little bit the same with men too, because the truth be known in any business does, whether it's golf or something else, and I was told this a long time ago, and, and by gosh, it was true. Um, you know, as a as an individual, male or female, 
there is a certain point when your peers, and I'm talking not necessarily, when I say peers, not necessarily in your same age group, but a little bit older, start to take you serious. So it's very challenging for, you know, uh, somebody in their early 20s, even if they've got the skill set as an LPGA or a PGA or what have you, to then try to teach somebody in their 50s or 60s how to play this game that's maybe played for 30 years. Um, right. it, it's, it, there's a challenge there. So it, it, it almost, I wonder if maybe we need to, you know, and I know this term gets used a lot, almost a grassroots where we're getting some of these younger um, students in working with the younger kids first, get them in there, getting them, you know, trained and getting them uh, excited about wanting to play. Um, you know, some of these young girls, as an example, coming in where they're maybe only, you know, 10, 12, 13 years old that look up to these. The reason I say that is because, you know, Sydney and I interview a lot of the Epson Tour players uh, each season. And, you know, they're all kind of in that camp. And they, you know, often tell stories about how they would go and, and you know, these young girls will just, you know, flock to them because they're, you know, they're, they're looking up to them. So I almost wonder if maybe that's a, an approach that we could look at. What do you think? I, I, no, I, I think that's absolutely. I mean, I think, and I think that touches upon what, what LPGA Girls Golf Club can do, right? As an example, that's why I brought that up before, yep. in the sense of really creating mentoring, a mentorship. Whether it's, like, so, so whether it's with the Epson Tour player or the LPGA Tour player or teaching professionals, mm -hmm. right? Women mm -hmm. teaching yep. professionals who are networking with younger kids to see that, that it's possible, that that's something you can do, right? If there's no examples there, that's very hard for for uh, for a younger person to make that leap. Um, I also think that as an industry, um, one of the things that helped me when I was a young teaching professional, I was lucky that I had a lot of really good mentors, you know, that right. um, took the extra time to help me. You know, um, a real quick example um, for me personally, I obviously looked up to all the tour players, right? Um, and this is something that, you know, in my mind as a kid, going to see Nancy Lopez at Upper Montclair, you know, oh, yeah. when I was young, yeah, was exactly. like, that, that was it. Like, I, that was it. Um, but when I was in, when I was at Rutgers University and I had just got into coaching there after I graduated, the head professional there, um, Art de Blasio, we had an 18-hole, um, you know, league that we had. And I approached him and I said, hey, like, would you be okay with me? I was like 23 years old would you be okay with me trying to do a winter clinic with them? And he said, Michelle, absolutely. And this is a public grassroots facility, right, that I worked at. Right. And he, he worked, he, he literally sat with me, and we, we made the curriculum up and we talked about it. He helped, me, he helped me teach it. He didn't even take a dime for it. He did it on his time. So I'm just giving that quick example of, like, what we can do as an industry, as professionals, really kind of, like, you know, putting our hand out, really making that networking um, connection with these younger players that we're seeing, especially because we have so many girls who are playing now, right? So mm -hmm. um, kind, of, kind of really, you know, I, one of the things I've always liked about the golf industry in a sense is really was an apprenticeship, at least when I got involved, was kind of an apprenticeship kind of concept. And I always felt like I was fortunate that I had people around me that saw that I had talent but also went the extra mile, right? Um, at a time where I was probably one of only one or two girls, right, who were, who were playing right. um, back, back in, you know, the 80s. So. 
Yeah, and and, and it's it, it obviously there's a lot of thought. And just one final note, and then I want to go to one final question for you, give you an opportunity sure. question, but really to give you an opportunity to talk about this because I know you're obviously uh, excited about it. But um, you, you know, I, I think it's it, it really has to get into more entrenched into the school systems, and there are a lot of programs. Unfortunately, many of the programs tend to be more player. Um, dominant. So, you know, those are looking to get into junior golf and want to, you know, maybe get out and play collegiate and so, which is great. Um, but I'm wondering if we need to be as robust about those that maybe don't necessarily have the skills to be a top player, still have a good golf game and maybe want to work on the teaching side. So I, I'm wondering if when we get into the school systems, get more heavily into the school systems at, at an earlier age, but start to foster some of the growth towards those and say, hey, you know what, you may, may or may not ever make it out in the LPJ tour, but you know, there's other opportunities and make them aware of that so that they're going to go, Hmm. Yeah. You know what? That's something I never thought of, or I didn't know it was available to me. So I think, like you said, getting into that earlier stage of development, uh, like so many other dominant sports do, I think that's where we really need to start driving the efforts in. And obviously, as you mentioned, the LPJ girls, uh, golf programs certainly are doing that. Um, but I think we even need to, to expand that even further. And I know they're doing it. It just it takes time like everything. But this would be a, a good opportunity for some of the big uh, sponsors and big uh, manufacturing companies in golf uh, to really pony up and say, hey, we need to develop something here uh, and really get it into a, a much more efficient and get them to put some dollars behind it. So we need to pressure them to do that, I think, instead of just you know supporting uh, uh, the, the top echelon of golf. Um, yeah, I think that's no, a, that's, no. Yeah, in other words, shame them. <laughs> yeah, I know, I agree. And you know, the other thing, no, I agree. Well, you know, what's interesting too, and I just as we're just, you know, just I'm thinking about this. So, and I'm thinking even of, even about my group of of uh, players that I play with at Rutgers. Um, and this is, mm-hmm. oh, I graduated in '94. We're going back several years, but we have many, many, many players who came out of that program that are t- amazing teaching professionals. Gio Lewiski is one. Uh, Cheryl right. Anderson was a teammate of mine. You know, we were best friends in college. Um, so the reason I just bring, and I'm naming just two out of the class quickly, but I think and I'm hoping that as you know, the game has gotten bigger for for girls and for women. That as we move on, and we're now in different positions, right? Um, kind mm-hmm. of ourselves going up the ranks. Our numbers are growing, um, right. and that that may be a piece of this as well. And maybe we need to network ourselves a little bit better to get after these sponsors to say, Hey, look, you know, we want to grow the game and we want to get more women involved in the game. And how great would that be? And you're absolutely right. You know, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, junior programs are all about the competition, right? Which is great. And that's yeah. part of it, but there's, there's, yeah, more to, it, it, there's more to this than that, you know? Right. The, the majority of these young girls are never going to make it. I mean, that's the, it's the same thing with the men. You know, it's a very small yep. percentage of them that are ever going to get into the top. You know, some of them may get out on tour and that, but, you know, after a few years, they kind of fizzle out because it's just, it's so highly competitive. So you're right. They, they need to, you know, have other opportunities made available at a very early age so that they can say, okay, I'm going to give my shot here, see if I've got the game to play. Uh, okay, if not, that's okay. I've got this to fall back on or I've got that to fall back on. And I think it's it's got to be, and again, I'm not trying to knock them, but I think with a lot of these big corporations, it can't be just about 
sponsoring big events and, and players and, and, and that sort of thing. That's important. That needs to be there as well, uh, or ambassadors. But they also need to uh, start saying, okay, look, let's look at – I mean, a good example is Nike did that decades ago in basketball. I mean, they started their yep. own school um, where yep. they started, you know, recruiting these young players. And, I mean, look, look how successful they've been. So there's great opportunities. And I know they are doing it at some level. I just think it needs to be bigger. Um, I said I had one more uh, thing I wanted yes, to ahead. talk yes. to you about r- r- real quick is I know uh, you were inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, 2023 for your 2007 and 8 women's golf team at Fairleigh uh, Dickinson University. Tell us a little bit about that. You obviously have to be very honored to receive that and, and uh, that, uh, that uh, honor. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Oh, my God, Chad. Yeah, thank you for um, bringing that up. Uh, yeah, it was so – a uh, tremendous honor and um, one of the, you know, highlights of my career for sure. Um, so uh, the, the, the story, part of the reason why we were inducted is that I, um, in March 2006, I had taken over the men's program at FDU. We didn't have a women's team. And so um, that May, we got the green light to start the women's program. So I was able our first season, I got one really great player. Um, it sounds like a movie. I just told one of my clients a story, and they're like, when's the movie coming out? It's, it's, it's very funny, interesting, and amazing. So I was able to get a young player from Germany to come play at, at FDU. And, and, and the, the crazy part of it was that I only, found, I only got connected with her because I had made a phone call on the recruiting side, on the men's side. And I spoke to um, his parent. And um, he told me that his son was going to another school. And I said, you know, wish him the best of luck. And, uh, he, and I, as we're getting off the phone, he said, wait, 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 Michelle, like, you know, you said that you may be starting a women's program. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, we had an exchange student who lived with us from Germany last year. She's a really good player. You know, maybe she would want to come to FDU. So her name was Eve Mayer. And so I was, mm. uh, when I was told, that we could start the women's team that uh, that fall, I was able to track her down on the internet. And um, in that time, recruiting rules, I can only talk to her once a week. And I talked to her every Wednesday for several, for several weeks and told her that despite the fact that, that we, we, we didn't have a women's team, we would go to the NCAAs in our second season. And, um, wow. and she believed me. So we signed her in July, and then, of course, I didn't have any other players. So um, I recruited uh, a couple seniors that were athletes in other sports for the first year. So I surrounded Eve with um, a, a, a softball player and a bowler and, um, and another, another athlete on campus. And we played that first season with one player and several players that we taught how to play. Um, and Eve hmm. that year was ended up becoming rookie of the year and player of the year. But we had an entire wow. year of recruit. And then I brought in an entire class the following year. They were all freshmen. So we had one uh, sophomore and five freshmen, and they went on to um, set every record in FDU history, which still stands. Um, they hmm. won eight tournaments. We went to the NCAAs. And they were a really special group. And um, so I got a call several months ago that we were all going to be inducted. Um, it was amazing. All of my player, all of our players came back from overseas. 
three of them flew in from Germany, one from the UK. Um, their parents came. It was a great testament um, to the program and to them and what it meant. So it was it was amazing um, and fantastic. And um, so I uh, probably one of the one of the nicest uh, special honors I've I've ever had. Yeah, that is a great story. Um, I definitely need to move that into the movie direction. I think that would make for a great, uh, a great movie as well. Well, congratulations to you and, of course, the, the uh, uh, others on the team and that for, um, you know, such a, a great accomplishment, especially in such a short time. I mean, that's just an, an amazing. Um, all right, we're going to have to shift gears here as we're moving in sure. time. Uh, and I got to be mindful. I know you've got to uh, leave and, and get to get back to work. So I don't want to keep you too much uh, past time. So uh, we're going to take a very, very quick break uh, to listen to a message from Golf Tips Magazine. And then you and I are going to uh, have a great discussion in the No BS Zone on the golfing mindset and the emotions. We'll be right back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. I'm here with my very special guest this morning, Michelle Malia, LPGA professional out at Chelsea Piers in Manhattan. And yes, there is a great facility in downtown Manhattan. You've got to check it out. And we'll get you more information as we wrap up uh, in a little bit. All right, uh, Michelle has very graciously uh, agreed to extend her time. Um, and this is a Michelle, this is a, a segment that Cindy and I have uh, been doing for a number of years. It's called the No BS Zone. And yep. uh, we always have a great discussion and talk about different things. And as I said, last week we uh, touched on, this is an article actually that I put in uh, Golf Tips Magazine for the uh, March-April issue. So it's already out at newsstands. And uh, I just thought this would make a, for a great discussion. So last week we touched on the first, there's three factors uh, really, if you want to master your game, becoming the best player you can be. And first, obviously, is the physical game. You've got to have a physical game. But you also have to have the, the mind game, the mental game or emotional side of things. And that's what we're going to talk to uh, a little bit this week. So uh, if you want to be uh, in, in helping to find your peak performance. So these are some of the char characteristics designed to help you find your optimal mindset or mental and emotional state. And although you may not play uh, like a top athlete, you can certainly uh, learn from them. So uh, here are some keys, and we'll just sort of have a general conversation. I'll read you a little bit, Michelle, and then uh, I'll get you to, to jump in on the, the discussion as well. So here's uh, here's the first one: is performing as if you're on. So what I mean by that is, if you've ever watched top athletes, Rory McIlroy comes to mind. They typically perform at their peak when fully absorbed in what they are doing, with little or or no conscious thought during the performance. So the takeaway from this is your performance should feel effortless instead of trying to overpower or force shots. So this can help to reduce stress and of course anxiety greatly. So try not to control or micromanage everything. This is a real good one. I think don't you agree, Michelle, because everybody, and I'm sure you see it, try to force things. What are your thoughts here? I mean, what do we, what do you do with a student that you can clearly tell? And, and the reason I use Rory is if you remember back several years ago when he won the masters, 
he talked about, somebody asked him, a, and a reporter asked him, he said, you know, what were you thinking about that? And he said, I wasn't thinking about anything. It just, I got into the zone. And that's really what we're talking about is that autopilot is they just get in there. They're so confident in their game. So I think confidence is a big one, right? Uh, yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, I, that, that first one, if we could do that with everybody, right, that would be, you know, amazing as far as being able to really be at your peak. The thing with Rory, too, that I find so interesting, um, when you, you know, you, you heard him talk after, like, even the British Open last year, you know, he's, he talks a lot about uh, surrendering the outcome, that when he gets caught right. up in uh, trying, to, trying to make an outcome or a specific result, that's when he gets in trouble. Um, so, you know, I, I, he's an amazing example of this. I know for myself, in the few times that I was really felt like I was an, on autopilot playing, the confidence level was so huge, right? Um, but also mm-hmm. everything felt like it was moving in slow motion. You know, it was really, you know, that it sounds cliche, but one shot at a time type of concept. So, I, I mean, I have, you know, I, on, a teaching, on a teaching level and working with younger junior players, we see this a lot. Um, one of the things that I think I try to do, or I think it would be helpful, I think managing expectations is one, is a big piece of this. And two, I do this a lot with a lot of my clients who are very type A and, and tend to be overly <laughs> critical. Um, yes. So even, in a, even in, a, in, a, in a practice session, you know, I'll have them literally, we'll pick a, we'll pick a target, you know, or pick a, a, an area on the range where we're working on something. And what I may have them do is count how many balls went out of that range and how many balls went out, you know, either right or left of where we were going. And majority of the time, like 80% of the time, they're doing very well. They just don't think that they are. So that Mm -hmm. helps build the confidence as well. So I think there's a lot about managing your expectations. And, again, as cliche as it sounds, like breaking things up into smaller pieces. Um, We're not trying to do this all in one shot. It's one piece at a time and building significant confidence. Um, I had a a conversation with a – um, caddy on the PGA Tour, and he was talking about the confidence that a lot of his players had after they hit a, a bad shot, a bad shot that they felt like no matter what position that they were in, they were going to be able to conquer the next one. And I think if we can get our students to, to kind of start to build confidence in, like, in a quantifiable way, I think that would be very helpful. I couldn't agree more. And this sort of leads into the next one is, is being focused in the moment. You know, again, athletes perform their best when they are not overanalyzing how they play, overthinking their technique and worrying about outcomes and mentally replaying every mistake they have made during the round. So the takeaway here, obviously, is this requires you to be present in the moment, have full trust in your ability to make quality shots and be blind to all the potential distractions that can interfere with play. And the reason why I say this, you made a, a really good point, is you allow your players, in, in other words, you cause them to refocus on something. You gave them a task to refocus on. Um, and right. what that does is it distracts them from the normal things that they're thinking, well, you know, I've got to have my arm in this place, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. You're saying, okay, let's, here's your target. How many are in the target? How many are outside? What, how many are going left or right? So you're giving them a, a sense of, of focus um, and and keeping them in the moment as the task at hand, as opposed to thinking about other things they have no control over. Your thoughts here? Yeah, no, absolutely. So we do this real quick. We do this, um, I do this with my elite junior program. We do it with anybody. 
But we do a we do a little exercise where they have to list what they can control and what they can't control. And what they end up finding at the end of like the, the of the session is that they don't control much that happens on the golf course, right? We don't play defense. We can only control how we react to the shots that are in front of us. So kind of building those skills to be able to um, to focus and know and, and 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 focus on the task at hand rather than mm-hmm. everything else. That's that's one. I think really big piece. I also think there has to be a reality check that of, of a four and a half, five hour round, um, being able to focus and then not focus. Do you know what I mean? You can't be yep. in this intense focus state for four and a half hours. So no, uh, imp- and that's, and that's right. It's impossible. So, you know, I had some really good players that play for me that would do things like, you know, in between shots, you know, pull out uh, a, car- a cartoon book, I had, I had players who used to count clouds. I had players that would sing, thought, you know, whatever it might be. But these places and times and, in, in, you know, within a round to be able to, to just not focus, right, not think about a lot of other things, but then get back to the shot at hand. Um, I think some of this, too, is knowing yourself and, like, knowing your tendencies mm-hmm. and what will help you get back into that good mindset. It's all about mindset, for sure. Um, yeah, and you you see a lot of players. I can think of a number over the years that you know stood over the ball. Even top players. I mean, um, Sergio uh, Sergio Garcia was one that I remember they used to criticize him because he was, you know, regripping his club about thirty times and he was just standing over the ball, and you know it it, it caused him a lot of problems uh, in his career. The next one I want to move on just to, to keep things moving here um, is being in control of emotions. This is a big one. Uh, top athletes perform optimally when they take charge of their emotions instead of allowing emotions to dictate their level of play. For the average golfer to perform at their peak, they need to have clear, non-judgmental mind. Um, this type of quiet mind helps to keep you off that emotional roller coaster. So the takeaway here is being able to manage your emotions can be a real game changer, which obviously results in more consistent scoring. So, uh, again, having control of your emotions... Um, is definitely something that you have to be um, really mindful. Uh, give me your, your uh, thoughts here on, on uh, being in control of your emotions. You know, that's, that, uh, to me, that's huge. Um, you know, one of the things that, and this is, this is going to sound very simple, but, you know, uh, the negative self-talk and the judgment about golf shots, right? Brutal. People are brutal to, to themselves, aren't they, on the golf course? Um, oh, yeah. You know, so... Oh, my God, brutal. So one of the things I've talked to my players about, even here at Chelsea, is talking to yourself like you're your best friend, right? Um, that mm-hmm. sounds really a weird kind of concept, but think about that. If you were playing golf for, or caddying for your friend, the one thing you would not be saying is, I suck, you know, for lack of a better word. No. So, or right. here we go again. We would never say that. It would be, let's stay in, let's stay in the moment. Let's, let's get back on task. Um, so being able to control um, the, the, the self-talk um, as well as the, the, emotion, the emotions that are connected to that, right, it's, um, yep. I think is absolutely crucial um, in, in building a, a really sense of a quiet mind that can just play. Um, and the last thing I want to say, too, um, you, you brought up the Sergio um, example. Yep. You know, I, use that, I use him a lot. Uh, when I'm working with people, I think one of the things that makes golf 
challenging, among a number of things, is that um, it's a non-reactionary sport. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have an opportunity to go run, you know, sprints to get a lot of the adrenaline out, nor do we react to a ball coming to us. So I think in, in our practice, any way we can start to, um, you know, have better self-talk, be more positive, less judgmental, and also remember, if we can, to build some rhythm and timing into what we're doing instead of feeling like we're a statue over the ball, you know, would be yeah. extremely helpful as well. Yeah, and I think you have to – I think better players are able to sort of discharge that, that negative energy. So if they've hit a bad shot, you know, they get you – know, damn, I, you know, or darn or whatever, you know, I've hit a bad shot, but then they move on. Uh, they're not dragging right. that baggage from the, to the next hole. Uh, and top players yeah, will do that. I mean, how many times have we seen Tiger Woods over the years as an example um, where, you know, he hit a bad shot and, you know, he'll thump the club in the ground, but then by the time he gets up to the next shot, it, it's like he wouldn't have known he hit a bad shot. And he gets right back into the into that mindset, and that's that's somebody that's able to control their emotions, and that's not an easy thing for a lot of uh, a lot of golfers to do. It's not. I mean, it's it's like it's it's like having amnesia, right? You know, <laughs> like right. bang, it's over. I'm really mad right now. I, that was a shot I didn't want to hit, right? You're, you're right. Yep. Tiger's a yep. great example. You know that. I, uh, why is it going right? But then immediately the next shot, refocus back into a yep. great pre-shot routine and focus on the next shot at hand, forgetting yep. about, and the thing is not carrying the weight of the judgment and emotion of that last shot is really challenging. And it's something that, but it's something that we can definitely focus and work on. Right. Because yep. it's a skill, it's a skill like, it's a skill like chipping. It's just yep. the mental and emotional piece of this that I think, if our, a lot of our players could do that, I think they would enjoy themselves more on the golf course too. Besides the peak performance, yeah, you know, right? For it, sure. it, exactly. Yeah, and 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 it goes to uh, your point is yeah, you have to work on all aspects. It, you know, it's not just about everybody spends all the time on the range, you know, hitting uh, shots out into the into the range or chipping or putting or whatever, but they don't work on uh, the mental side of the game or the emotions, and that's a big part of it. Uh, the last one we're going to hit is uh, enjoying the experience, which sort of follows nicely to what you just said. And that is, you know, for those particularly that like to uh, be more competitive, if you're a peak performer, then you love to be competitive. Too often the average golfer views playing tournaments as a chore. So some even right. appear as if they're having a painful mental experience while on the golf course. Right. And we've seen that in a lot of corporate events. So, again, takeaway is maintaining a positive attitude toward any event will help shape how you feel about the event. Um, your final thoughts here. Oh, no doubt. I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm smiling as you just said that at the corporate, corporate event. I got, a, I got a text from one of my students uh, was playing a corporate event of a picture of a water hazard and sent it to me and said, why, with question marks. You know, like, so, like, this really <laughs> negative experience about, oh, my God, why is there a water hazard here? Why is this so difficult? And why am I out here? Like, almost like she's going to get dental work done. And she's going to play golf, right? So kind right. of approaching the game from, from a real positive, excited, enthusiastic kind of concept, maybe even a curious one. You know what I mean? Like a curious mm-hmm. mind about what that's going to be like and enjoying the moment of being out there playing um, and, and getting rid of the list of things that seem like, oh, my God, this is like I'm having major surgery when all I'm doing is playing on the golf course. Yeah, it, ultimately, I think you have to keep in mind it's a game. 
um, right. you know, no matter what level you're playing at, it's a game. And, you know, obviously when you're playing at a higher level, you know, there's money involved and things like that. But uh, again, you have to enjoy the experience. If you're, if you're so anxious and your anxiety levels are so high that you can't just get out there and enjoy the moment, then you're going to be continually frustrated. And that negative talk is, as you said, is just going to keep creeping in there. And that's where the very final one, we'll, we'll wrap this up, is building confidence. Uh, again, peak performers know that they have the ability to produce uh, optimal results across a wide range of circumstances. So it's essential for those golfers to maintain positive beliefs and thoughts during a round of golf. So no matter what happened during uh, the shots leading up to the current shot, so, again, this goes to what we just talked about is the takeaway is being focused on the task at hand. Don't allow negative thoughts about your round to continue to creep in. Uh, I, I famously have said on the show many times, uh, I equate some of these uh, golfers that uh, are constantly bringing the, the negative baggage as, as somebody that's walking down the, uh, in, in the uh, airport terminal with, you know, right. slugging about three or four bags behind them. And that's exactly yeah. the, the metaphor I use. It's exactly what it's like on the golf course. You can tell the people bringing baggage, how they practice, how they warm up, um, is that there's a lot of anxiety. They haven't even stepped to the first tee yet, and they're already thinking of all these negative things from the last round they played or the last time they were at the golf course. And confidence comes from the ability to not just work on the physical parts of your game, but the other aspects that we talked about today. Your final thoughts, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah, no, I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I love the image of the the baggage. That's a, that's a great one. I'm going to borrow that here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome to it. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I what I want to say too, just kind of final thoughts on this. I think a lot of this is managing expectations and like literally, truly sitting down and assessing where your game is at, whatever it is. It, you know, a hundred somebody's shooting a hundred. Someone who's shooting 75, whatever it might be, where my game is at, where do I want it to go? And then really being, really um, being very diligent about setting particular goals that make sense as you move forward in the game. I see a lot of people upset on the golf course and frustrated because their expectations are not, not even with where they're at ability wise. Right. You know, like if I'm some, it's not realistic, you know. Um, I do this a lot even teaching new players here. Let's say we're working on a half shot. I've had this happen. We're working just a half shot just to get some you know, mechanics and face control or whatever. The first thing I say is these are our expectations. We're only looking for the ball to go about 15 yards, let's say, right? We're only looking for this. Mm-hmm. We're only looking for that. The balls that are whizzing over our head, that's not what we're – that's not, we, not even realistic at this point. Because I've had clients, even in that small setting, say, well, shouldn't I be hitting the ball further, right? As if, you know, just not knowing the realistic place where they're at. So to kind of fall back on that, really being diligent about where I'm at, um, and that's okay, and having the right expectations about what that day is going to bring. And that helps you continue to work towards your goal, and it also builds confidence. Because if your level is I'm I'm a double bogey golfer or you know on a yep. on a, a you know that's fine. So if you are if if you if you suddenly now become a bogey golfer on maybe half the holes, man, you just you're just you you should have confidence that you're going in the right direction. Where many people will come back to the lesson tee and say to me, "Oh, I'm terrible. I'm not getting any better." When in reality, they yeah, are. And, and so yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and, and you're, you're exactly. That's a great point. I mean, you, you have to um, level out your expectations. You know, what, where's your game at? Be realistic with those expectations. And then the, the, the final thing, too, is you have to practice with a purpose. I mean, how many times, mm-hmm. you know, you've said to somebody, okay, we're going to work on, you know, a short pitch shot. So let's say 20, you know, 20-yard pitch shot. And, you know, they're scratching their head, well, I don't know how to hit that, or I'm not confident hitting that. Well, you know, you've just spent an hour on the range. You know, what were you doing? Well, I right. was hitting balls. Well, why aren't you right. practicing? You know, if, if that's something that, you know, that's what I'm getting is you have to practice with a purpose. You know, it's great to hit yep. those great drives out there, and it's great to hit those uh, hybrids and whatnot out into the range, um, and maybe you chip a few shots and make a few putts, but you're not practicing what you're going to be faced with out in the golf course. You're going to be faced with maybe a 20-yard pitch or a 30-yard, what have you, right? right? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And there is a reason, I believe, that when people warm up, let's say, or they're here at the range and they're just, they're just hitting balls, they're not really mm-hmm. even going out of target. So everything is okay. No. It's, oh, it's a little right, it's a little left, Right. Uh, so yeah. they're not, they're not right. It's all, oh, I'm hitting it pretty good. It feels solid, but it's not relative to anything that they're going to face. So one of the things that we do here, again, obviously, you know, at a driving range and most people in the United States are facing this, right? Because we have, we're yep. not, you know, we're not on the golf course practicing. So what, what I, what I, I try my hardest to implore to my students that not only do you want to have the reps and the drills, but, Let's get out here and let's go to different targets. So when you're practicing, you also have a component of your practice session that week that's a play component. You know, I'm going to hit drive down to the right-hand side. My target is here. Now I'm going to hit a fairway wood. Now I'm going to hit a wedge. But all at different targets and different angles. So they can start to get like, you know, it's like playing and you're practicing playing, not just hitting balls. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Raking the balls and hitting them, you know, out in the yeah. range is, it can be fun. And if you want to do that once in a while, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But if you want to improve, you've got to start practicing like you're playing and with Without. shots and, and, you know, imagination's a wonderful thing. And, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, I think have forgotten to have imagined. I think that's where kids, that's where kids, you know, excel because, you know, they'll be, they'll be imagining all kinds of things, even if it's not realistic. You know, they're at least imagining things. Adults get out there and they don't, it's like a, their brain freezes or something at, past a certain age. And, well, uh, you know, yeah, they just don't yeah. seem to think about it. <laughs> well, here's the other unfortunately. thing. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's so, and it's so true. And the other thing kids are great at, they're great at failing. Meaning, yes. <laughs> and I think, you know, I'm using that as a relative term, but, you know, I can have some, I have a young, we have a presence, presence we can't. I had a, a new player yesterday. He did fantastic, but he missed three or four balls. I don't think it ever phased him. The fifth ball came up, and he was refocused. Okay, I got it, you know. Um, and I think, and I think if we can have a child like mine sometime, or a beginner's mind, right? So many books have been written about that, but it's true. Right. You know, being curious mm-hmm. and, and having some imagination, and God, that sounds like a lot more fun than, <laughs> oh my God, the corporate event's coming, and I. I'm going to look bad. Uh-huh. What is my boss going to say? And all those things um, that yep. we do to ourselves as adults, for sure. Well, they, they sabotage before they even get there. And that's what yep. they do is, again, that's that negative baggage. They're, you know, it's like, again, going in the terminal with all that baggage. Well, I'm going to miss my flight or, you know, it's, something's going to happen. It's going to be delayed. They automatically go to that negative self-talk because that's comfortable. That's, that's what they know. So you have to re- you have to retrain yourself into thinking something different. So, all right, we got to wrap up because I know you've got to go. 
and uh, we've got to close things off. And I and I hear the the rugrats are coming in and getting ready to, to work came, on. Something. They just came in. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I can hear them. Um, so I know you got lots of stuff on your plate. Very quickly, Michelle, uh, for those that want to reach out and connect with you, and maybe uh, at some point, uh, maybe even come and visit you at Chelsea Piers. What's the best way they can reach out to get in hold of you? Yeah, um, uh, ChelseaPiers.com. And um, could I get my email address? Would that be okay? Sure. Um, yeah, that's fine. It's yeah, it's m m e l i a at chelseapiers.com. Perfect. So no excuses to not to reach out to Michelle. And if you're in the uh, New York area, especially in Manhattan, uh, go to Chelsea Piers. It's a great facility, and uh, make sure that you connect with Michelle, and she'll be more than happy to help you with your game. Thank you very much for coming on and, and spending some extra time. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the, the no BS zone. That's something that we always uh, try to do. And uh, I look forward to you coming and joining us again on a future show. And uh, hopefully I'll make sure I wrangle Cindy uh, to be on the show as well. But thank you, Michelle, for taking time this morning. And, um, and you have a great day, and, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Awesome. Thank you, Ted. I had a great time, and um, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, that was Michelle Malia, uh, senior LPGA professional at Chelsea Piers in Manhattan, New York, and very graciously stuck around for the no BS zone discussion uh, that normally Cindy and I would have. And again, this was sort of the part two, mastering your game, becoming the best player you can be. And we specifically talked the uh, on the golfing mindset and emotions part of the game. Uh, next week, uh, we'll have in the no BS zone will be sort of the final third part wrap up with some specific things that you can do. Uh, you know, we've sort of talked about uh, the last uh, two times, this time and, and uh, the one before on the physical side, um, just so, sort of generalities of things to be mindful of uh, to be a, become a better player, uh, but you need some, some action steps. So we're going to give you those on the, the next uh, DSO next week on the show. So hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you missed uh, most of the show, you're welcome to go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf and scroll down to the on-demand section, and this show will be there in its entirety, the recorded version, and you can go back there in just a few minutes, and you'll be able to listen to it. But on that note, uh, again, special thanks to LPGA professional Michelle Malia for joining us, and uh, I look forward to seeing you here next week on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody, and have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.